Welcome back to Dev Otaku. This is the show where three developers sit down and we talk about the current anime that we are watching, and this anime is Cowboy Bebop. I'm Jay. I'm Kiera. And I'm Jamie. If you don't remember from episode one, you can always just go back to devotaku.com and check out that previous episode, or if you're subscribed, it should be in your podcast player still. But uh, we're all coming from three different positions kind of with Cowboy Bebop. I've watched it before and I'm re-watching it. Uh, it's been a few years since I last saw it. Uh, Jamie, remind everybody when, like, where you stand with Bebop. Uh, yeah, so I'm in a similar boat, um, except it's been, oh goodness, about a good 10 years since I last watched Cowboy Bebop all the way through. And that's 10 years too many, I think. And Kiara, what about you? I've never seen it until now. <laughs> so... It's been interesting going back through it now that we're like a few episodes in. Like, because I watched it like a few years ago, I can go, oh yeah, I remember this part. This part's funny. And then there's like some little things that I didn't catch the first time, but now it's like, oh, cool. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. There are there are whole sections of, uh, say, episode two and three that I was like, oh wait, that actually happened. I don't even remember that, you know? So it's kind of cool coming back and seeing it almost with fresh eyes. And and you care like how's it how's it been so far like as a as a new episode like a new show for you? Um, since I had always heard about it, uh, it's kind of weird because it's it's not meeting the expectations that I had. Like I thought it was gonna be like a really oh, no. crappy. No, no, it's in a good way. I thought it was gonna be kind of crappy and like corny. Um, and it's way better than that. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's before we jump into the actual episode. I know we're we're taking up people's times here, but let's talk about. Uh, what we've been coding on, like I said, we're all developers, and let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, for me, I haven't been coding on much at all because I've been trying to get into podcast and business mode. But I would say I have been hacking away at my coffee game. Uh, I just recently bought a Chemex coffee maker, and the process required to make like non-acidic coffee in a Chemex is absolutely like fantastic mm-hmm. and fun and. I'm like trying to master ratios and things like that. Um, so I, I would say like if I'm coding anything, it's like I'm just trying to like figure out the perfect balance of making super cool coffee. And uh, I'll link to the coffee beans that I'm using right now. I'm using Dark Horse Odd Harmonics, um, which is a local brewery here in San Diego. But uh, it's super fun. It tastes like tea, actually. It tastes like coffee-laced tea. Um, and it doesn't have like the weird bitterness that coffee has normally. And yeah, it's been pretty cool. Uh, what about you, Kiara? What have you been, uh, hacking away at? Um, so I actually started a new client project, uh, and then being in school, got wonderful midterms. And then with personal projects, I've been fighting with Apple, trying to get an app on the, um, on the app store. So, you know, that's fun. Android is way easier. So I don't know, it's kind of making me reconsider this whole thought process. We'll definitely talk more about the app once it gets pushed alive. Uh, Jamie, what about you? Um, I've been mostly, uh, so through the magic of time travel with podcasts, uh, we were recording this slightly after uh, Microsoft announced the first public preview of a new technology they're calling Blazor, which allows you to do .NET in a web client. So like .NET in your uh uh, in like Chrome and Internet Explorer and stuff. And .NET is usually a desktop um, technology. So I've been playing around with that, seeing what I can do. So that's been kind of fun. It, I mean, each page takes about 70 seconds to load the first time because it's got to download the entire framework. But it, once it does that, it's real fast. <laughs> yeah, because you download the whole internet. <laughs> that's it, yeah. I just got to keep people entertained <laughs> for 70 seconds. <laughs> That's so bad, but that's also cool. That's funny. Well, awesome. But this isn't a coding podcast. This is where we go once we're tired of coding. This is about anime and, more importantly, about Cowboy Bebop. So let's start our conversation and talk about episode two. So, 
we are on Mars, which is funny because in episode one, we were in TJ and we were talking about um, how awesome it is in Mars. So when I, when we got there, like my immediate thought was like, oh, this doesn't look much better. Like, <laughs> like looks, it looks like stereotypical, like Indo, like China, like mm-hmm. Beijing. <laughs> Uh, what were what were people's first thoughts of Mars when um, they mentioned like, oh hey, we're we're in Mars now? Could have looked cooler. I was expecting like <laughs> big houses, big yards, and stuff like that. And it looks like when you see people um, in like China or something like that, where they have like the shops on the street, I just wasn't prepared for that. The food's probably great though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, for me it was. Uh... It was a case of grass is always greener, you know, like in, in episode one, uh, I guess I won't talk about it too much, but, you know, Katarina, one of the characters talks about how we'll get to Mars and we'll be happy and everything will be brilliant. And... Ever been to Mars? I was born on Mars. I hear they have everything there. Not like here. There's parks and festivals and the people are happy there. It must be a great place to live. Sure, if you're rich. And we go to Mars and it's like you say, it's like, you know, it, not to say that China isn't brilliant, but it's like it's just normal life, you know, definitely. And it was interesting that the uh, one of the people mentioned, like, you're on Mars now, like the shady kind. Listen, bro, here's the deal. You can buy anything here on Mars from guns to human lives. And of course, choice information can be purchased as well. So if you want to know something, let me see some cash. Anything from drugs to human lives. And it was like, okay, so maybe they were just in the seedier part of Mars and not like, uh, maybe there is like a rich side. And and I definitely know that like most places are like that. You, you can't have everybody being the elite um, unless you're talking about like Elysium or something like that, where like they outcast the, uh, the poppers, but uh, it was. It definitely gave this like desiring for more. Um, and and thinking about it, like uh, Spike is Martian, if I remember correctly, but he doesn't really seem to have any like nostalgia for his homeland. It's it's mostly just like, well, uh, all right, I'm here. Like this is, and okay, it's cool, whatever. Um, it, so it, I definitely don't think it was like he was kicked off the planet or anything, you know, crazy like that. He was, I don't know, he just, he has a job and he's doing it. So there's still a lot of mystery around uh, the backstory of Spike. Uh, but I guess in this one, it starts out with this fight and and this dude with like a giant fro. like <laughs> That's a Harlem Globe Globetrotter. Um, <laughs> it it really is like it was. I was like, wow, okay, we're uh, we're getting into uh, anime cheese here. Where we're just like we're going to play up stereotypes a little bit, or and and just kind of make it like the exact opposite. Because um, I guess this person has had plastic surgery, um, or I guess he's redone his face, as they say. Um, and it's it's like the polar opposite of what he looked like. Um, so it's interesting. And we also find out about the doctor who, uh, apparently Spike's network is bigger than it would seem. Uh, we thought before it was just him and Jet, uh, but it seems like they have like doctors working for them and, and partnering up with them. Um, I forgot about that, honestly. And I thought that was like, oh, okay, cool. So it's not just them and they, they know people. And I guess those people, uh, they like to give information for money. I mean, who doesn't like to get information for money? <laughs> Studying security, that's well, all my yeah. life is. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. The I think it's funny that they played up on the stereotypes as well. Like, he's a tall black guy. <laughs> like, I mean, what makes one want to, quote unquote, like, be that stereotype if they're switching their entire person? Like, I would be want to be under the radar, but that's talking, like, real world. He's just like, nah. Yeah, that that is true. Like yeah. he, he could have like did something to just blend in. Like I want to look like everybody's face molded together to make like the most generic face possible. But instead he made this character that completely just stands out 
maybe it's just because he's like super tall. Maybe you can't adjust like height and things like that. Uh, but still, it was a uh, it was quite a interesting uh, section for him. But uh, I'm trying to remember. Do we know what the bounty was for Abdullah? I want to say it was like three hundred thousand, three hundred thousand wulongs. Um, do, do, do I do have it? Uh, it is a lot because there's a line later in the episode that I don't really get along with, where Spike says, uh, "You're worth a barrel full of wulongs." So you a bounty hunter or some animal rights chump? You know, you really make me laugh, Hakeem. Risking your life for a dog that's only worth a fistful of wulongs. What's it to you? Nothing but a giggle. But you're worth a barrel full of wulongs yourself, my friend. Because it doesn't really fit properly with the rest of the, the line. It's a bit weird. Um, yeah, I don't have it written down. Yeah. And it was a lie. And the Hunter show was pretty funny, though. Um, if you just want to talk about <laughs> like when they were Big watching shot. it, yeah, I was just like, okay, Western theme, I see it. And then it's just I, like I love a guy how it and a girl. Starts. Yeah, it's a guy and a girl like talking about things. Like it's just casual, no big deal. You guys are bounty hunters. Go find this person. I'm just like, okay, they're way too happy about people being captured, but whatever. <laughs> well, I I just love how it always starts with amigo. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous. Hi, amigos! Um, All 300,000 bounty hunters in the star system! How y'all doing? And now it's time for Big Shot, the show that tells all about fugitive. Chuck's hobby. Of course, today is Uh Just to fill you in, and, and by the way, we remind you, this is a spoiler uh, podcast, so we do talk about what happens in the show. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, you can go to devotaku.com where we have links where you can actually watch Cowboy Bebop. Or if you want to buy it, uh, we also have an affiliate link that helps us pay for the show and keep it running. So uh, you can head over to devotaku.com for that. Uh, but in this, uh, they run a they run a bait and switch on him a little bit. While well, he's being distracted trying to force a cockroach down someone's throat. I'm um, talking about Abdul here. Uh, another bandit takes off with his suitcase and then tries to sell what looks to be like a everyday common Welsh corgi. And I didn't want to talk about that cockroach because that was kind of disgusting. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? You know, um, talking about like playing up the stereotypes, I thought that in the English dub, the... Um, the voice of the proprietor of the like the noodle bar or the cafe place where he goes is horrendously racist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that I mean, like if you if you look around this episode and episode three, you know, when they're on Mars, it's pretty clear that Mars is kind of like the Asian country, uh, the Asian, uh, sorry, the Asian planet. So it's like Mars is China and Japan. You know, everything is. You know, there's Chinese, uh, there's, sorry, kanji written everywhere and everyone's walking around in like Chinese, Japanese garb. But the the guy himself is really racist. Like the, the voice that he uses. I'm not even going to parrot it because it's really, but then. Hey, Layla, if you feel run down, have some ginseng, hey, so it'll keep you up for a week. Out of where? Or try sugar cane, it's really, but then, you know, that goes in with, you know. You know, Hakim and his, um, his, 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 what he's done to himself. He really stands out being a very tall African-American gentleman on a planet full of, well, short Asians. You couldn't really stick out any further, could you? <laughs> That's true. Sorry. But like, even in the shop, um, the fact that there is like a homeless guy who was just like, you're too good to talk <laughs> yeah. to me. Like, yeah. maybe because I'm on the East Coast, you know. Like, that really, like, hit home. I was like, oh, man, is that, like, really how people think? Um, you know, like, because you stand out in some way, shape, or form that you might think that you're too good to speak to them. But then, like, his anger turned left really quickly. And so I think that's honestly, like, why he lost the suitcase. Like, otherwise, I think he would have noticed somebody was picking it up. But he let his anger get to him. And because of that, like, oh, I'm mad and I'm going to prove a point, that's when he lost sight of the suitcase and the dog. So it's interesting that you pick that up in dubs. Cause remember I, I'm a, I'm a subs listener. So 
for me, it's like, yeah, they're all speaking Japanese. Like, <laughs> it, it's like you don't see that. Um, I think this is one of the reasons why I have traditionally not watched dubs, uh, because for some reason, dubs tend to either be extremely Americanized or extremely racist. Um, but I don't, I definitely don't doubt that the the voice acting was probably a little over the top just because that tends to be the attitude in these like English translations. And when we think about it, like they mentioned that Cowboy Bebop was made with dubs in mind. Like it wasn't, it wasn't designed to be like, okay, this is going just to our Japanese friends. They were like, no, we want this to be all over the world. Like we want this to be a multicultural, um, show and even still they find ways to uh, i guess be like really offensive at times uh, which is kind of a upsetting thing Mm. yeah i mean um shinichiro watanabe even said that um he preferred the english dub to the to the japanese you know but the, the characterizations of spike and jet are quite they're kind of almost as dark as he wanted the characters to be i think but they didn't come across that way with the with the Japanese voice actors, I think. I don't think so. So in this, as we mentioned, the uh, suitcase, which has a dog in it, which I'm still like, how do you like what? <laughs> why is there a dog in a suitcase? Like, why? What? What? Uh, it's so weird. Like, he could have literally just had the dog on a leash. Um, but I guess the dog did not like Abdul at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> Always causing problems. But the dog is super, super smart. Um, but at the same time, also pretty uh, pretty awkward, kind of kind of quirky. And uh, they have scenes where, like the first time that Spike actually runs into the thief uh, of the suitcase, you know, they open it up and the dog's all happy and just kind of chilling. But um once abdul grabs him in in a later chase scene the dog's like uh no i'm sorry i I did not want to hang out with you (laughs) (laughs) uh but uh we talk about that we talk about like this dog this dog is planted with a microchip that like it's a data dog which basically is kind of the idea that they program information into living organisms and the information itself is what makes a dog valuable um, of course, the the dog is only worth uh, two hundred wulongs, which apparently is not a lot of money. <laughs> I think. Well, that was before the they found is... out, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of bleeding the inf- the information together a little bit there. Uh, basically, the guy tries to take the dog to a shop, and the dogs and they're like, "Oh, it's a Welsh corgi. This is not really valuable. Uh, I'll give you two hundred for it." And he's like, two hundred thousand. That's awesome." He's like, "Actually, no, just two hundred. <laughs> she like even goes to suggest. Well, in the dub version, she like suggests that they eat the dog. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, there there were there were several references to dog eating, and and again, this is where like, um, if you're listening to this and you're from America, there is this weird stereotype with like. Uh, the Chinese eating dog meat. Um, as someone who's been to Hong Kong, I can say that while that possibly could happen in like some poor areas, like that is not a common thing. Like people just aren't like, oh, hey, what what's on the menu? Well, dog meat, of course. Like that's not really the thing. Like that's usually reserved for like areas of like Southeast Asia where there's a huge poverty um, issue. And people aren't stealing people's pets and eating them. They're just like, oh, there's a stray dog. Um, well, that might be meat. Uh, but again, I think this is like kind of a point out to like the blatant racism of of this uh, episode. And I really do wonder, like, does this mean that like Watanabe had like a problem with the Chinese or like what is he just trying to play into the stereotypes? What what's going on here? Yeah, I think I think maybe he was I don't know. I mean part of me saying he's playing into the stereotypes to help sort of establish that this is, you know, it is the wild west almost but in space and you know you're not in the best area of Mars and Mars is essentially, you know, like I said earlier, it's kind of mostly 
Far East Asian, so maybe he's playing on those stereotypes um, to sort of help set up the scene, perhaps. I don't know. Hmm. I think, like, so I'm not going to lie. Seeing the dog in the briefcase is the reason I watched this episode twice. Um, But I think it's, like, (laughs) really funny. Like, you got this guy that's supposed to be blending in, yet he's this extremely tall black guy with this big afro, right? Stole a case with a dog. And, you know, like, being an African-American, we make fun of, like, people, like, especially rich people with, like, the, the small dogs. So, like, the whole time, I'm just like, so this tall guy was going to hang around with this really small dog the whole time. Okay, that's why he's in a suitcase <laughs> and not on a leash. <laughs> like, you know, he probably would have been roasted for that. And then you got him selling it to this lady who's just like, yeah, the dog is useless, but you're sitting up, she's sitting up here selling animals. So I think she lowballed them. And it's funny because the shop owner is a woman. Like, you have to beg this woman to, you know, try to buy your dog off of you. And typically, if you're watching, like, TV, Pawn Stars or something, it's always a male that two males or something or male to female. And the shop owner is a male going with that transaction. So, like, the whole thing is really funny because it's just like these are not typical things you would think about if you think about the scenario. Let's stay on with two, uh, moving into where Spike literally like goes through this guy's like, oh, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not this, this guy. And they're like, okay, my bad. Sorry. This is a useless dog. It's not worth anything. Cool. Whatever. I'm out. And then he literally walks past Abdul and doesn't notice him. (laughs) Like he does not see this gigantic black dude right next to him. And it it's up until like there's like gunshots going on and like the dog like bites Abdul and tries to run off and stuff and like it takes all of that to literally get Spike's attention and and this again makes me think Spike is not good at his job <laughs> like he's he's good at fighting but he sucks at like paying attention to stuff or being a bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah, I mean. He he re- yeah he doesn't have, I mean I think I said last time that he has this full situ- he seems to have a full situational awareness when he's fighting, but yeah he doesn't really seem to have awareness of who's around him, which is weird because I mean we'll come onto it later but in the next episode, you know he has full awareness of what's happening around him there you know it's a bit, hmm, bit strange. Well I thought it was because um, I do remember him mentioning food. So I'm not too sure how big of a foodie you guys are, but like, okay, this job didn't pan out, but this food restaurant, like I can go get this food. So I was like, maybe he just focused on the food since he's like, oh, it's a bus. It's just a dog. Not who I'm looking for. I can at least go eat before I try again. Mm, That's true. Yeah. Cause he does mention on the way um, into like, they've, they come into the Mars atmosphere and they're on the way to the planet. Uh, planet surface and he says to jet something along the lines of i'll have the money to repair the ship and for some peking duck afterwards or something along those lines and he's already yeah like you say he's already talking about the stuff that he can spend the money on and, and the food he can go eat and i think as well he's doesn't he splash water on his on his he stands at a puddle or something just before hakeem walks past him and he's focusing on his you know oh man i've got this water on my leg and then you know, Hakeem walks past him, I think. I think so maybe he's temporarily distracted as well. I can't remember. Well, so he's either really bad or just incredibly unlucky. Um, but if you notice, they didn't really do much for a fight scene in this episode. It's more of a chase, uh, which was interesting. There's like a little fight scene. Like they show like, okay, hey, you got some skills. Oh, you got some skills. No big deal. Uh, but then there's this weird chase and this actually gets us to the, the chase after our little, our dog and after Hakeem and, uh, yeah, this weird, like series, this weird chase scene is just, there's like one part where it seems like they're all together. And then all of a sudden they're like apart from each other across a bridge. Like, I feel like maybe either my eyes glazed over or something or I missed something there because it's like they're all running. They're all running. They're all chasing after this thing. And then all of a sudden it's like spikes running across the bridge. 
Akeem and the dog are on the other side of the bridge. And then, like, all of a sudden, the dog jumps. Or, or sorry, Akeem, like, winds up going off the road into, like, this area. And then Spike goes into the water. The dog jumps on top of his head. And it's just like, okay, this this seems like it was more of, like, a a weird, like, Charlie Chaplin, like, like that whole, like, <laughs> that weird chase scene of sorts. Did you do that bit specifically for me? <laughs> no, I... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I keep forgetting. We have we have a uh not a London you're not from London, right? You're no, you're just no. there's there's a little bit more to the UK than just London, yeah. <laughs> really? I mean my my American mind can't figure that out. <laughs> um anyway. Uh so yeah, they do this weird chase scene that ends with somehow with Spike having the dog, which um again I mentioned, not good at his job, but incredibly lucky. Um and it, it's super, super interesting in how that happens. But they wind up putting a chip on the dog. Uh, and then they use the dog to bait out um, Hakeem. And that that's where we, we learn a little bit more about our scientists, where they have uh, some secret project where they are desperately trying to get this dog because of the data that's inside of it. And uh, they wind up using basically a high uh, high frequency dog whistle um i, I feel like <laughs> i feel like if you're smart enough to implant data into a dog you're also smart enough to implant a tracking chip on the dog like <laughs> I was gonna that's say, what it yeah. feels like i mean you're asking this about scientists who put data into a dog but also who like one of the scientists doesn't realize that a dog whistle would be too loud for humans to hear, you know, <laughs> too high pitched. Yeah, I, I I love that bit. Whereas like, uh, have you turned on the dog, the dog whistle or whatever? Dog. Yes. We have no choice. I can't hear We it. have to use the dog whistle. You know what that could mean? It's very risky. I don't care. It'll draw attention. It's our only option. We're ready to go. Then do it. Is it on? I can't hear it. It's too high pitched. Only animals can pick it up. I knew that. I was testing you. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I was just testing you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's just weird that these these are definitely not the uh, top notch scientists, which leads me also to think like, okay, what are people doing? in in hong kong like this is definitely not like high collar crime uh, and we kind of learn a little bit more about uh i guess the different types of criminals like we have it's like spike is like cleaning up the west like he's got like episode one he takes out drug dealers you know episode two is all about like animal rights and and like really horrible science experiments and uh, and we'll learn about episode three, which was more like organized crime, and uh, it's it's just really interesting in the the range of what gets you on this bounty hunter list. Um, we we talk about Faye, like Faye. I don't know if she does. I mean, she starts shooting people later, but uh, without revealing too much, I mean, she basically just got put on the list because of debts, <laughs> like. Like she's like, oh, how much did I owe? How much was my debt? Like, it's so it's it's just super interesting to see the variety of uh, villainy and bounty hunters. Like, what are the police doing? Mm. <laughs> Nothing. Like, I'm just wondering. <laughs> I don't like, think they exist. Basically, well, no, they do exist because uh, the end scene oh, is true. is a handcuffed. yeah Abdul like landing yeah, but it's it's like. Are they, they're not really like policing. You don't really see police cars like out on the streets. You don't see police officers in the show, but for some reason they exist still. And you have these bounty hunters and you have plenty of bounty hunters that are hunting after these people enough that, what do they say? There's like a hundred thousand of you out there that are like bounty hunters. Like that's a lot of people looking for like, Every time I, I hear that, I'm like, that's just way too many bounty hunters. <laughs> uh, but I think I think the problem there is you're thinking about it on a like an Earth size scale. So 
whereas uh you know in cowboy bebop they've they've exp uh, their humanity has moved off to different planets you know so as we'll find out in the next couple of episodes there's four or five at least four or five different planets where people live so i think a hundred thousand isn't that much when you have to move between planets and i don't know well the the other thing that makes it weird is like yeah they've moved to other planets but the tv shows pretty much always talk about the one person that spike is looking for um and it, it's never too far away like i mean i don't think like Tio, if we we're looking at tijuana tijuana would be earth uh, of some sort or at least a fragment of it and then you have mars which is right there and i mean they're not it's like they're still in the solar system and they're still currently in solar like areas of the like planet that could be I mean, even with today, today's science, like we're talking about like, hey, what if we colonize Mars? Like it, the temperature, yeah, it's a little bit colder, but it's not beyond the realm of like, like we could do it. Like we could make it work for us. They're not on like in another galaxy or in another like solar system. They're still like within our local solar system. So I, I don't, I don't know how far they've gotten. Um, I don't know yet. I'm still looking looking into that. And again, like, yeah, I mean, 100,000 bounty hunters is a lot, but it, why do they not have, like, a list of, like, 500 or, like, 1,000 or 10,000 people that are being looked at, looked for? It's just like, all right, today's, today's villain is this. <laughs> like, how do we capture this one bad guy? Uh, but uh, I'm not, I'm not sure... I haven't quite figured out this whole bounty hunter versus villain versus like, what are the cops doing system? Cause it really doesn't seem like the cops are doing anything at this point. Very true. I think like for me first hearing like the bounty hunter thing, um, it's going to sound really bad, but I thought about like dog, the bounty hunter. <laughs> so, you know, like <laughs> he'll get like a list of people within like, I guess every day, every week, I don't know how they do it. And that's all he focuses on. So I assume that was the same for them. But as far as like the police, they're just there for that particular planet. But because they don't have to go after like, you know, the high risk people, I guess your bounty hunters would be equivalent to police detectives. Yeah, it really does seem like you have this uh, more detective style like, oh, hey, by the way, this person is caring. And, and the thing that makes it funny is like if you're a bounty hunter at least, like, when you think of, like, space bounty hunters, like, if we think of, like, probably the most legendary, like, Boba Fett, you have, like, this idea of bounty hunters aren't necessarily working with police officers, at least not all the time. It's more like, hey, there's a price on your head. I don't necessarily have to turn you into the cops to get said price. Um, and not to mention, like, as they're talking on the TV show, they're like, yeah, the dog is priceless, you know, it's... There's so much information on it and and it could be worth, you know, a ton of money. And it's like that's not something you tell someone that kind of works outside of the law. Um, you would kind of be like, yeah, he he stole a suitcase. The suitcase contents are unidentified at this time or but you'd never associate a value to it because the bounty hunter could just turn in the person and then steal the <laughs> the loot. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, here's your bad guy. Suitcase. What suitcase? What no, suitcase? no, yeah. this is a different suitcase. <laughs> See, this has, got, this has got silver on this side and silver on the other side. Yours has silver on the first side and a different kind of silver on, on the back. It's a completely different suitcase, okay? This has got my clothes in it. No, that isn't something moving around inside. It's my suitcase. Huh. Yeah, or no, this is just a normal Welsh Corgi. This isn't, like, these are not <laughs> the dogs you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> But there, it's it's so weird. Like the the bounty hunter system is completely screwed up. Um, but eventually they they get back, and I guess Jet does the first thing that like any genius scientist would do: put a tracker on something that moves. Um, sorry, I was really frustrated about that. Um, and we we learned that again there is a fortune teller 
situation going on, but this time it's with Abdul, and he kind of gets he gets like street urchin essentially, where the uh, the street dealer is like, "Hey, you're looking for someone, or you're looking for something," and I love how he he does like the the mystical fortune telling where he's like, "The bird is telling me that you're you're looking for something." someone and yes yes i'm looking for someone (laughs) (laughs) yeah i thought he was getting played like for someone who's you know i've i've looked into like psychology of things and like how people talk to you to uh deter your like image of things i was just like man he's about to get played everyone can see that you're looking for something (laughs) like and then he kept going and i was like okay so maybe he knows a little something i was like wait these are very generic like overview statements he still has no clue what you're looking for and and one of the interesting things is even after the dogs that the gigantic dog whistle uh calls in and it's It's very close what you're looking for is drawing near in fact it is here it is right here you forgot to pay me and and he goes i'll pay you when i'm rich like, when he said that, my immediate thought was like, I wonder, is Abdul, like, they mentioned he's a pet thief. So I'm not thinking that Abdul is a necessarily, like, I don't want to say bad criminal, like an evil criminal. Like, he's not he's not selling drugs. He's, like, stealing pets. He's, I guess, I don't know, he's stealing rich people's pets and, like, blackmailing them, I guess. Is that, he's, like, extorting them, but... It's, it's interesting how he is doing this because it seems like he doesn't feel like he's a criminal. This is going to be a very bad way to put it. But in my notes, I have like he's a PETA hero. Because yeah, you know, they're all like, about uh, like animal, you know, no animal cruelty and all that stuff. And he seems to be like freeing animals to a certain extent because, I mean, he's still selling them back to somebody. But it's just like, well, what, it's not, it's like not your major crime it's like the petty thief type of thing something that confused me with that though he he even asks spike what he is he's like oh are you a bounty hunter or animal rights activist and it's like huh like okay what what is this what is abdul like what is he here because at first when i when i saw the suitcase at first i was like okay maybe they've got more red eye and they're like they're trying to like deal red eye and it's like a dog and i'm like Okay, it's a dog. Um, why do you steal a dog? And then he's like, oh, are you some animal rights activist? And I was like, okay, so maybe this is like a rare dog. And then like the dealer says, oh, no, it's a pretty common dog. It's absolutely worthless. And I'm like, okay, now I'm confused. <laughs> like, what's going on here? And why is the dog in a suitcase? Um, I still I w- have – no one's been able to answer that for me yet. I wonder whether – I wonder whether like um... – Abdul was brought into this job because like you hear him after so there's the the bit with where he has the the mini fight with um with Spike on the bridge and they all jump into the water when Abdul comes out of the water he ends up eventually talking to someone on a phone and says you know it's going to be a little later than normal you know I, I, I no, I haven't lost the dog basically and then he gets upset and slams the phone down on the floor and stands on it so he's so that says to me that he's being paid by someone to steal the dog rather than he's doing it for some kind of altruistic reasons. And if he is just a pet thief, then he is just going to go job to job. Just somebody's paying me to steal this. I don't know. I'll say ostrich because, um, you know, it's really weird to me that that in Animal Kingdom, that pet shop, when it all kicks off, you see an ostrich run out. You know? yeah. <laughs> they have everything. There, I miss know? that. Ah, well, go back and watch it. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. when they're running all... out, I think more than just the dogs run out too. Yeah, so the dogs, there's a bunch of birds come out, and then an ostrich comes running out. You know, there's all sorts. <laughs> but um, but I think maybe, I think maybe Abdul is just a petty thief. You know, and he's doing maybe not a petty thief, but you know, he he doesn't really have it. That's to me. That's why he asks Spike who he is. Are you some kind of animal rights activist? Are you a bounty hunter? What's your game here? I'm just here to steal a dog, do a job, get paid, and go home. You but know. at the same time, then why is the bounty so high on him? I think it's only because of the mm. dog. Like, if it wasn't for the dog having such valuable information, he wouldn't even make the yeah. list. 
Um, okay. I mean, we kind of find out in, in episode three that almost anyone could put a bounty out on anyone so long as they have the money. So maybe yeah. it's the scientists going, oh, fellas, just in case we don't manage to retrieve the dog uh, because we got beat up by um, Abdul at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Why don't we put out a bounty on him and then we can get help trying to get the dog back? Maybe. Huh. Yeah, there's, there's there's still a lot of questions to figure out mm. uh, with this. But as you mentioned, uh, the dogs are all running back and this leads to a gigantic chase scene. Um, what do we think about the, the actual like second chase scene with the vehicles? Um, very interesting. Very uh, like you got one guy, you got Spike in his fighter. You've got... Uh, the actual truck, you've got um, Abdul, who's jacked this machine, this, uh, like, basically, like, DeLorean. Um, like, what's... <laughs> I, do, I do love the scene where he steals the car, because it's, it's at a wedding, and he jumps into the car, and the groom goes over, excuse me, what are you doing? And he just lays him out with a single punch, just like, <laughs> and I'm off, you know? <laughs> and then they go, like, Hey! Yeah, right. And the, the priest is like, what are you doing? <laughs> Brilliant. What I thought was weird about the chase scene is, so the scientists are driving along with the, the wolf, the, the dog whistle going. All the dogs are running behind it. One of the scientists leans out of the back and fires a net to try and catch all of the dogs. Um, the data dog moves out of the way and all the others get caught. Somehow the the Welsh Corgi data dog overtakes that truck. And then Hakim slash Abdul, I keep calling him Hakim. I mean, either way, he, he manages to match speed with the dog, leans out of the car, grabs the dog, takes his hand off of the wheel, sprays something into the dog's face to knock it out, and then carries on driving without his hands on the wheel. I mean, maybe I'm just paying too much attention to it, but he's like, I can drive without looking and without steering wheels and <laughs> at really well, high speed, you know? Like, we, we, we've got to catch the dog at some point, like... Yeah, okay, that's cool. true. It's part of the fun of it, isn't it? And then, yeah. when, then when Abdul catches uh, the dog and then he drives a little bit further and then um, the dog decides, I want to get out of the car, so it jumps onto the steering <laughs> wheel and starts bashing <laughs> buttons on the steering wheel. Just like, I'll just push some buttons and see what happens. Oh, look, a door opens and then it leaps out. You know, that's that's not a smart move. Leaping out of a moving car is not a smart move. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely there's like this weird disparity of like the dog is smart and the dog is not smart. Mm-hmm. And and in the end, of course, while dealing with all of that, all of that madness going on, um, Abdul Akim winds up flying off the bridge uh, <laughs> and lands right conveniently into the police station with the scientists who are, uh, we learned that apparently creating data dogs is not legal. Uh, <laughs> so everybody goes to jail. Um, and then somehow the dog just winds up finding Spike and we're like, hey, let's be friends. And they take him and travel off. Um, and again, it talks about how valuable the dog is, but it doesn't seem like Jet or Spike Either they didn't hear that part or they just don't care. Uh, So it's really interesting. Yeah. I wonder whether, like, I wonder whether the producers of the show were trying to say that, you know, Spike and or Jet have a, like this. Well, I mean, the the reason why Spike fears often saves, um, saves the dog after it jumps out of the car and over the edge of a, a bridge and would be falling to its death, I think, is because Spike has this pang of guilt. He's like, I can't sit here and watch this dog kill itself. I have to go save it. And then maybe, although he protests and says, I hate dogs, I hate animals, I hate pets, maybe that sort of guilty feeling means that he has to keep uh, keep the dog and look after it. I don't know. But then they get hungry, so... <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, and then they talk about eating the dog later. (laughs) Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. (laughs) So overall, what are everyone's thoughts, uh, I guess, with this episode? You see, uh, I'll just go real quick because I've not got that much to say about it. I mean, it's a fun episode. It's a bit Scooby-Doo with the whole let's have a chase scene and then another chase scene and then 
you know, and then a third chase scene, I think, you know. But I mean, yeah, I, what I really liked was some of the, the sort of secondary characters, the, the, the character designs, like for Doc, the Doctor, the lady who runs Animal Kingdom and the street peddler with the little with the little bird. They look like they were designed by Akira Toriyama. You know, the, the guy who did Dragon Ball, he's got that sort of similar look. And especially the doc, he looks a bit like Dr. Wily from um, Mega Man, you know, <laughs> kind of Dr. Wily meets Einstein, but done by Akira Toriyama. That was pretty cool. I really liked that. That was loads of fun. Um, and like I say, the the whole ostrich, I mean, seriously, Jay, go back and watch it again. You'll see an ostrich run out of Animal Kingdom. It's weird. <laughs> um, and the, the music like the the song that they play during the chase scene that's what i like about the chase scene <laughs> i don't really like the chase scenes uh i want it all back i think it's called that's really cool but yeah i mean it's a fun episode there's not much not much happens though that's the problem mm, yeah i have to agree like it started getting really confusing because it wasn't like overly interesting but it wasn't super boring either so it was like trying to pick up like the small details, but at the same time, I was like, uh, I don't really have to pay attention because it's not connecting. Like from episode one to episode two, just a little confused. Other than them being on Mars now, I don't see like how it connected. Like stated before, I kind of thought the briefcase was going to have drugs or something in it. Then for it to be a dog, it just, I don't know. It, it, it felt like it was missing something or I was missing something. Um... But I can also see how, you know, we talked in a previous episode, how episode one wasn't the first one to view. I can see how you would start the series with episode two. It, I think it, it's a little bit more like if that's your first episode, it's a little bit more engaging and will keep you going. So maybe you're like, oh, OK, so now we got these three people in character development. Yeah. Yeah, episode two feels like a pilot. You know, when you watch a pilot episode of some show, like you watch, I don't know, uh, Castle or Friends or something, the pilot episode is all about introducing the characters and the dynamics around them. And that's 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 this episode for me, you know? Everybody gets introduced, they reintroduce the 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 relationships between the characters and how it all works, and you get this, you know, uh, these the idea of yes there is this fantastic soundtrack we're going to make a huge deal out of it you know and then i feel like they kind of must have gone back and gone no actually we want to give spike this backstory this this intriguing thing to make you think why is there is this slow motion black and white flashback at the beginning of the show uh, the game beginning of the series i don't know I'm just going to say I did not think that this was a good episode um, because I, I, it just feels pointless in the entire storyline other than for them acquiring Ein. And it's like, okay, hey, you've added a dog to the team. Um, I feel like if, Ayn, if, if this was the first episode and then they went back and made a new first episode, I almost wish that they would have like just had Ein present from the beginning and then maybe later on do like an episode of how Ein came to be or like maybe like because I mean w w without revealing too much because uh, Kira hasn't seen all of it other characters get introduced into the story and it's like as they introduce all of these characters it's like okay it makes sense why they're a part of the team now, but it doesn't make sense as to like, okay, you've got this dog. We don't really do much with the dog for the rest of the show. It's like, okay, Hey, we've got a dog now and the dog is secretly really, really smart, but we don't know if they know that or not. Um, so it's, it's just interesting to see how this dynamic is, is going. Um, I think here you mentioned before, like this general idea of like a different villain all the time. Um, I definitely feel like that is, I mean, this, this seems like a loose telling of the adventures of someone. And I think they set it up to where there wasn't supposed to be like a overarching story, at least from the beginning. Like, I don't think they had a direction 
that they wanted to particularly go with during the time they made this episode. It was just like, hey, we've got to capture a villain. And hey, there's a cool dog that comes out of this. Uh, But this episode has nothing to carry on into the rest of the, the story except for the dog. Very true. And then, like, and the fa- and the, I was gonna say, and the fact that everyone likes to apparently eat dogs and be overly racist, but that's <laughs> but that's it. And yeah, it's like a question that I keep writing. Well, I wrote for this episode as well. It's like, how are they still going? Like, do, are they getting paid? Like, I'm still so confused on that <laughs> because it's like you ha- they have money, but they don't have money. Like. I'm I'm not understanding. Um, but I know just previewing to episode three, it kind of explains a little how the bounties are are paid out. But before then, like I just it did not make sense to me. Well, I I definitely am more excited about episode three. Um, we actually talked longer than I thought, so let's just we'll wrap it up with episode two here. Uh, let us know your thoughts. You can go to devataku.com. Uh, Click on the Cowboy Bebop uh, photo there on the front page, and it'll take you to the page where you can leave a comment and tell us what you thought about the show. We want to hear your takes, some of the funny parts, some of the not-so-funny parts, and ultimately, whether or not you think that Spike actually has any clue what he's doing as a bounty hunter. Um, I'm The jury's still out for me. I think he's just a terrible bounty hunter, and he just gets extremely lucky. Um, but uh, that is going to be it for episode one. I am Jay Miller, and you can reach out to me on Twitter at KJAY Miller. Um, everyone else, how can they reach you? <laughs> oh, I guess I'll go. Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, Kiera the Dev. Oh, and Kiera is K E H E I R A. So, yeah, to get a hold of me, um, I'm on Twitter um, at dot net core blog d-o-t-n-e-t-c-o-r-e-b-l-o-g all right and of course like i said you can find more about us and if you want to watch along with us you can go to devotaku.com but thanks for listening uh in the next episode we'll talk about episode three which i thought was much better than episode two but yet also not very useful in the storyline other than introducing our next big character, Faye Valentine. Okay, but there's more about that later. All right, uh, so that's it for us, and we will talk to you next time. Actually, I was going to say, let's say, we'll see you later, Space Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs>